This is Jason Albert, and you are listening to The Devin Kershaw Show from Faster Skier. This is our post-Lati Finland podcast, where we catch up on the weekend's racing on Saturday, which was yesterday. There was a scathlon for both the men and women, and today was the relay. And the big news, which we will start off with right up front in the podcast, was really Alexander Bolshinov from Russia going belligerent right after the race and tackling another skier. Okay, here's the episode, and thanks for listening. Oh, and one note, you'll notice right away for the first few minutes, I'm a little far away from the microphone. Uh, as, as we started recording this morning, I was a little bit frazzled, which you'll pick up on uh, right away. Okay, a couple things to start off with. I'm, I'm in a foul mood. I'm, I'm, di- I'm, I'm disjointed and a little bit in a foul mood, so I want to qualify this, okay? Well, then this, I, is the uh, perfect, this is the perfect pod. That we're, this I, is perfect I agree. for this podcast. So this is my disclaimer when I start like dropping <laughs> views and this and that. I'm right? such a bad influence. So, I'm such a bad influence. I, I love it. No, you're you are such not a bad influence. Okay, so everyone's gone. My older kid is backcountry skiing. My the other two. Oh, and that stings. Let's be honest for a second. That stings. You're stuck inside talking to to a mope. No, like it's me. okay. It's it's good though. I'm, <laughs> I'm psyched he's doing it, and he's going with a super great guy who's like a a real pro when it comes to avalanche stuff. So he'll learn a ton of stuff just about asking questions. So that said, I'm on my own today. Uh, my wife and my younger kid are out skiing, and I just went for a dog walk. The, this we have a we have two rescues, but the younger of the two rescues is pretty uh, unruly. It rolled in a dead animal. animal. I was like, I okay, did. I'm gonna run home. <laughs> I'm gonna go upstairs, get the dog washed, and then get on a call with Devin. So everything was going great. You know, I, she knows. Like I put the leash on her inside the house, and she's like, I, crap. Yeah. She's like, I screwed up. My bad. She screwed up and it's like, I try and get her upstairs. So I carry her up. She's kind of maybe 40 pounds. I get her into the bathroom. Now we live in this great refurbished old house. For for Bend, it's old. It's 1917. So like compared to New yeah, England, it's old. quite young. Yeah, for, for Bend, for it's Bend old. It it's is, really yeah. cool. It's a great old house. And we have a lot of the original fixtures. Anyway, we have this funky lock on the bathroom that's been kind of broken. So you cannot fully close the bathroom door. Okay? Yeah. This dog, like, if you just, she just sees like a, a nanometer of sunlight in that yeah. door, she's out. So I close right. the door. And as soon as I close the door, I was like, Fuck. <laughs> So you're locked in at this point? <laughs> I'm locked Amazing. in with this reeking oh dog. God. And I like beat the shit out of the door. I mean, I was like, I need to <laughs> get out of here. One is, I just want to get out of the bathroom. <laughs> the other is, I have a phone call with Devin. So amazing. Ultimately, what happened was, I mean, I, I, I broke tweezers. I was trying to like really finesse it. It was not working. So right. I realized there's this huge wrench, pretty sizable wrench in the bathroom from when we just like work on the pipes or whatever, because it's like it's an old house. Yeah, yeah. 1917. Yep. Gotcha. So sadly, I was like, I just need to bash the handle. And no. yeah, and that was that dude. It's this beautiful. It's not quite crystal, but it turns out I was like, well, maybe it's plastic. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's not. It is like oh, this no. beautiful crystal handle handle that was like I smashed it. And it was in, you know, it's like pressurizing a billion pieces, uh, but it worked. I got out of the bathroom. Okay. Yep. You got out of the bathroom. So you got you got that going for you like Johnny Mackey. He got out of it. He, uh, he no, did. No broken bones. No broken bones. No trips to the hospital. Dude, I feel um, like I'm like the bullshit off of the situation a little bit. <laughs> and the doors, Johnny Mackey. <laughs> totally right. You know, like he didn't do. He did something wrong. You know, like because he's kind of a sticky door, and it's like he knows it a little bit. But did he deserve to get his handle smashed in? Probably not. No. <laughs> and a beautiful antique candle. So we, no, we do exactly. have, like, it's funny because prior to, like, watching the men's race, I was like, okay, we have a little bit to discuss for Sunday situation. Not much. Uh, you know, sort of same old narratives a little bit. And then the shit does hit the fan in the last, oh, like, yeah, 50 totally. meters. Totally. And of the relay. And Why don't you, like, give us a play-by-play of what you saw out there? And let's give people some context. Okay, well... 
let's get yeah we're gonna give some people some content you know what i'm gonna roll it right back but then we're gonna jump right into it but so in 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 um on saturday with the skiathlons i don't know if you caught this but like in the closing oh yeah yeah saturday in the skiathlon i don't know if the people caught this but in the closing kilometers bolshinov who is just following too tight i have no idea what borodovko is doing teaching his athletes like chervotkin and Bolshinov to be like right up the ass of, of the guys in front of them following way too tight. He's following Holland like all over his tails, takes Holland out from the back. Holland goes into the rhubarb, breaks both his poles and is like super pissed at the finish because these are really important races for the Norwegians. We'll get back to this. Um, and Bolshinov's a little bit sheepish yesterday, like trying to make a joke like, oh, it's a race. It happens. But like it doesn't happen if you follow that closely that late in the race, like bad things happen and it was completely unnecessary and it took them both out of contention for the medals, um, which was ridiculous. And then, and that's a, can you talk a little bit about the part of the course too there? I mean, it's, it's curvy and yeah, no, for sure it's curvy, but like there is enough space in Lottie. It's a championship course. Uh, The Lottie corner where Kruger crashed for those that caught the race, Kruger was in a great position to take a podium too. And he went down on his own accord with about 400 meters to go. It's, it's Lottie corner. It's kind of like, it's a stupid corner. If you want to be totally honest with me, I mean, like, like it's, it's ridiculous. They have this hairpin there. That's not even good TV because guys are like snow plowing into it. It gets icy. It's just, it's stupid. It's just stupid, but it's Lottie's thing. Lottie's thing it's been like that for over 20 years so like that's just we're just gonna have to deal with that and Kruger goes down by himself there so that 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 one corner is a bit touchy especially if you come in with a lot of bodies but where where Bolshinov went down well well where Bolshinov took out Holland and then went down they both did it, it was completely unnecessary lots of room and still some time left in the race and they were right in it right right in the mix so it was just a, a completely idiotic way to destroy a, a great opportunity. So uh, yeah. And, and like you said, yeah, it was curving. I mean, you are, it is kind of uh, curving. It, it does curve. Of course it does. But I, I'd almost say, I almost say like wavy. Yeah. It seemed to me like kind of a, sh- I love this word, like chicane yeah, chicane. Kind of, yeah. Kind of like, yeah. Kind of like a chicane, but when you're skiing it, it doesn't feel like that there. Really? Nothing really does. Yeah. Like Lottie, like you have, a corner that we'll get to with the women that had some took out pretty much half the American team on day on the pursuit uh, early in the race. And there's a couple, there's a couple tough corner, not tough, but a couple corners that are a bit, you got to be a bit careful, but we're, we're, we're bullshit off went down like that. That is never really a problem in any races I've done or any or any races I've seen. It was just a matter of you was falling way too closely. Um, and it's hundred percent Bolshinov's fault. So it was, uh, yeah, it was ridiculous. And then move fast forward to today. Um, yeah, Norway won the relay. Like that was easy. We'll get back to that too. But in the closing kilometer, you know what? Johnny Mackey had like the race of the day for me. I can't believe he was able to stay. Well, Hey, before we even get to today, there is one thing I want to note. And I, I was thinking of you a little bit actually yesterday, you know, we had that conversation that we actually, I think people really appreciated, uh, middle of the week where you were just kind of talking about, you know, oh, yeah, an undesirable dude. outcome or something that you experienced. You know, it, it, what I was struck by yesterday was that, sure, that stuff happens in elite level racing quite a bit and most often like in sprinting, but it's not uncommon, especially at this course. I mean, we can think of, we've talked about this, used to golf and uh, yeah. Sunday yeah, sure. in 2017. And then I think at that same championships when Everson just pulled a poor move. Do you remember that in the relay? Oh, it was a ridiculous move. Oh my God. Yeah. He was hated in, there was some great memes of that. Oh my God. Uh, like, yeah, but that was a stupid decision by Everson too. Like absolutely, absolutely ridiculous decision by Everson. These things happen in the sport. And yesterday, you know, Bolshinov, I think, comes in, you know, fifth or sixth. And he just like, you can see him come across the line, just sulking and just cruises by. It's, it's at what point do you hold a professional accountable who's like, an, you know, a champion? He is essentially the face in many ways, besides the Norwegians, of men skiing. And that was a bad look from my perspective yesterday. I was like, Oh, it was a totally bad look. Yeah. It was a totally bad look. And it's one thing to be upset with your own race, but I agree with you. Like how we crossed the line being like a real sucky boy. And, and also like 
yeah, yeah, of course it's a bad look and it's not, it's, it's undue of a champion. It's undue of a, a, someone I, I that's at that, that level. And, and, no, and, and I agree people with you. Are looking I, I echo that. I echo that. Yeah. And I echo that. But yesterday, yesterday on Saturday, when he, in the, the he said at the end of the pursuit, when he came across the line, you could tell he, he was, yeah, he was sulking for sure. <laughs> that's a great adjective. But you know, later on in some of the interviews, like he did, it seemed like he did let it go. And um, that's not necessary. I mean, it doesn't change the fact that he shouldn't have been skiing like an idiot and he shouldn't have come across the line like all pouty pants like he was when it was his fault. Um, but it seemed like he did come around a little bit in some of the interviews and and was shaking it off. Um, and I get it. I mean, like you're you're tired. You're in the yellow. You're in the yellow bib. And every and, you know, he knows he knows he's the best skier in the world, but he also knows that the Norwegian, but he also knows the Norwegians haven't been there. And he's been so dominant, but he's been dominating in like the B League. Do you know what I mean? Because because the best team in the world, because the best team in the world hasn't showed up. And then the first chance he gets to kind of flex, he just gets like, who knows what would have happened if they didn't fall. But the fact of the matter is there was five Norwegians in one Russian like he was getting he was getting in the in the skiathlon in the later stages of the ski men's skiathlon i mean there's no question like all those russians we were seeing all over the top 10 in the tour de ski now you see why i was critical of like what that level is that we were seeing i mean those the russians behind bolshinov are just not at the world elite level they're amazing skiers but they're not one of the five six best skiers in the world they're just not and we saw that and we no and we saw that today Yesterday, yesterday, and today, and today, and we'll we'll get to that today because there was some pretty, there was some epic blowups too. But I keep on thinking, you know, it, it is certainly, and this is very crude, but it's not apples to apples. I mean, again, and I know that no, no, we talked about some athletes come out of the tour to ski stronger, yeah, and some come out tired. But these dudes all have you know eight stages in their in their bodies. Oh, of course, of course, and the Norwegians have just been they're so hungry, yeah, yeah. they're all thrilled to be there. They're also fighting. We talked about that in earlier podcasts. Like they're fighting for their world championship starts here. Like th- there's some guys that had like okay races that just like their world championship dreams just go up in smoke. Bang with one day. I mean, Martin Niang back in 16th in this skiathlon, like say goodnight, pack your bags. Like you're done. It's over. You're not going to the world championships. And just like that. So like there's high pressure for these Norwegians too. So you're right. Like it is true. It's, it isn't comparing apples to apples. But the fact of the matter is, Bolshinov, I thought could have shaken it off, and then yeah. today in the relay, set it up. We can, we'll get back to the skiathlon, but this is really the news. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, this is the news. And you know what? It's actually kind of embarrassing, but it's almost, you know, at least skiing's got this going for it this weekend. <laughs> so men's skiing, but I uh, know there's a couple storylines, but this was a major one. So in the closing moments of the men's relay today, Norway wins, walks away with Kills it, shoot it off that. Yeah, but Shuridatha was just on fire today and will and just absolutely blew the doors off Milishenko. Milishenko was skiing like really well in for the early lap and then he started getting tired and then the wheels fell off completely and his legs turned to lead and he couldn't ski out his way out of a paper bag and that was the game. And so Norway ends up walking away with an easy win in the relay, um, especially on the skate legs. I mean, Shuridatha was the one that made did all the damage and, and Kruger had a solid leg, of course, out there by himself. He didn't have to work all that hard, but um, they went easy. But it was quite an awesome competition, I thought, for second, third, fourth, because you see Ustigov go out with Johnny Mackey and, and Ustigov's been out with coronavirus and he's been really open and honest and, and so is his coach, Marcus Kramer. He's a German, but he's coaching the Russian team and Ustigov's in that training group and, and, and Ustigov struggled. I mean, he, he came down with coronavirus back in October and has really been struggling and finally it seemed like it's turned around a bit. He sat out of the pursuit though and um, but he came in for the relay on, the, on Russia too and he looked pretty good, honestly. Like he was looking pretty good for a lot of that skate leg till the wheels fell off for him. But Johnny Mackey, I'm like, he's just going to get nuked on this stage. Like Bolshinov catches back up in a hurry. And then it's like, <laughs> Johnny Mackey's so screwed right here. You have Ustigov and Bolshinov and Johnny Mackey, like forget it. But the guy hung tough, dude. And it was Ustigov that blew up. And the fact is, I know he hasn't raced at the World Cup level. He had coronavirus, but he has won races in the Eastern Cup in Russia. And that's a high level. That's a crazy high level. Their Continental Cup circuit is insanely competitive. And Ustigov's winning races there. So I was like, oof, this is going to be interesting. And then Ustigov comes undone. 
a little bit. I mean, he lost 36 seconds on the stage. So it wasn't that, that bad, but it just looked bad when the wheels came off for him. Johnny Mackey's able to go with Bolshinov. And then going around that last corner, which is also pretty famous, like you discussed with Everson, uh, this is coming into the finishing straight now on the fourth leg. Uh, it's a long sweeping left-hander um, into like the, the drag to the finish, 100, 150 meters to the finish line. And <laughs> we got to call a spade a spade. I mean, like Johnny Mackey had the pole position he did, but he drifted. I mean, he closed the door. He, he drifted he a little bit. Yep. No, yep. no, he, he straight up, he straight up, he, he straight up closed the door. He didn't want to go 100% toe to toe with Bolshinov after maybe the best seven and a half K skate Johnny Mackey's ever done in his life. He didn't want to go a two up sprint with Bolshinov. So he took the tactical decision and he, he just squeezed Bolshinov ever so slightly as in it was obvious. He squeezed him. And Bolshinov just lost his head completely. And instead of just trying to like keep it together for this last 150 meters of the race, he has like a total meltdown and starts swinging his pole like a madman. Yeah, Johnny during Mackey. the sprint. During the sprint. Yeah, he essentially gives up the sprint and starts like trying to th- whack Johnny Mackey with his pole. And that's it. And you see like Johnny Mackey closes in and he, and he comes second, but there's like no celebration. He's like, Ooh, maybe that was a little too, I don't know. <laughs> that was borderline. And his teammates like are about to dogpile him. But then all of a sudden, like Bolshinov like turns on the afterburners. And now I'm watching like Canada cup 1970s hockey. <laughs> that's where like Red Wings. Bol- where, where, yeah. Bolshinov just, just pl- takes like plays the body. Johnny Mackey doesn't know what's coming. Bolshinov sprints through the finish line and body checks him. Like it was the stupidest thing I've ever seen anyone do. Like he could have been injured actually. Like honestly, yeah, he like, was holding his wrist. Johnny Mackey, like. Totally. But, but Johnny Mackey could have been injured. He was not expecting a Bolshinov to be lift his pace back up, come into him at like 20 odd K an hour and just level him. And, and quite frankly, that's fucking bullshit is what it is. And I was disgusted. It's one thing, like I mean, I got, I'll get a little bit of, I'll get a little bit of critique, but like with the with the pole stuff, with his like, you know, like whacking the pole, like <laughs> having like a real meltdown in the race and giving up, and and I was like, oh man, dude. But at the same time, things happen when you're when you're hot, right? And he didn't actually smack him. He didn't, but it was like it just looked really bad, and he lost his head completely. But when you cross the finish line, and you just like plow the guy over in like you're seriously like nhl hockey it is i'm watching this as we're talking it is bad yeah it's crazy yeah it's yeah it's it's crazy and then this and the other thing like you said to to more to your point bolshinov is the best skier in the world this season he was the best skier in the world last season start acting like a champion and you want to start pouting about like how like oh everybody's always out to get the russians Oh, no one gives us the respect we deserve. Start acting like a fucking champion and not like a little bitch. Because that was, that was insane. It is insane. No, no, but that was insane what he did. I'm serious. I'm serious. This is the yellow bib, dude. This is the best gear in the world That's acting right. like this. I want to root for this. I really do want to. Like, beautiful skier. Oh, he's yep. a beautiful skier. No, he's a beautiful skier. Absolutely. But when you're roid raging like that, like... <laughs> It, and, then, and then the other thing too is like I heard from people and it was reported here in Norway too like going into the jury room and still having a pout and saying like I shouldn't be disqualified and I got like squeezed out and yeah he did it was it was a dirty move by Johnny Mackey we can call it it was it was dirty you would call that a dirty move oh man he closed the door he did close the door yeah on but it. let me but so that seems to be a tactic that's that in many ways is acceptable in a sprint oh yeah but but you okay. can't say but you you can't look at the finish and say johnny Mackey didn't close the door a bit on Bolshinov. no i i agree he did close the door for sure i i called it i think i called it or i i was uh or i kind of ella wrote the story but i think I, we were working that section and it was like a tactical move to kind of oh, yeah. pinch him oh, off for sure, a little for bit. Sure. And right? I wouldn't do that. I would have done that 100%. That's what you do. So that's what, like, it, it's, that is it, what it's, you do. And, it, but it is. And this is a sprint. This is a sprint. It is a sprint to the finish. It's for second and third. It matters. Finland had a great relay. Holy Lord. Like awesome. Yeah. E, like Evo Niskanen was amazing in skating. Yeah, they, dude, they had, on a skate a, leg. But they had just a great day all around, which is fun for the home. There's no crowds, but in the home country. And it was exciting. But but the fact of the matter is, Kate, 
I would say like it was a bit of a dirty move. I would have done it. I would have done it for sure against Bolshinov in that same situation. Of course, are you kidding me? Like, why I mean, if you? you're gonna call, if they're gonna call the video of you, like pushing someone, which was clearly <laughs> a complete accident, I'm, I can't wait. No, for but the it was a dirty move too. But it was it was a dirty move by me. Yours? Like, no question. Nah, dude, yours was a trip. No, legit. It, yeah, no, no. But regardless, I ruined I ruined Helner's race. I ruined my own race, and that's yeah, sucks. that's a bummer. But, that's but, a bummer. Um, but Johnny Mackey did that. With, Johnny Mackey knew what he was doing when before the pine boughs start coming in hot. He starts like closing that angle. It, it is what it is what athletes do. Um, and Bolshinov was caught in a bad place, and he wasn't in a good position, and he got pinched. He did. But everything after that, like again, I know I'll take some heat for that. Like his whole pole swinging thing was just like kind of kind of like a low but it was almost like a bit funny in a way i was like oh my god he's losing it but then the body check to me that's where that's where the profanities that's where that subry profanity just starts like yeah starts uh exiting my mouth at an, uh, at an amazing velocity because like that is just not okay for anyone to do and for the best gear in the world it's completely unacceptable and then you go into the jury room when you and and just start like lipping off there I mean, come on now. Come on now. And also, too, I know he's young. He's 24, but he's not 20. You know what I mean? Yeah, 24. Like this guy, this guy's, and he's won the overall World Cup before. Right. He has Olympic That's medals. That's my feeling. He has Olympic medals. He has World Championship medals. The guy is a serious champion. And it's time to start taking that leadership role. And I hope to God I never see some hot garbage like that again from the best gears in the world. Because it's just, it's ridiculous. It's unacceptable. And there is no consequence. He got he got disqualified in the, in the relay, but but honestly, like, had I been the head coach of the Canadian team and I had an athlete do like who was in the yellow jer- yellow bib and just like had a complete hissy like that hissy fit, like, guess what, man? In Falun, you're sitting because like well, do, you got to be there. Like that's ridiculous. You, yeah, I, I think it w- was it in Quebec. When did uh, when did your friend Alex have a little? Oh no no no. Yeah, he's had words with the Russians before. A little right? bit, but not not like not that bad. No, no, no. Okay, used to golf in Klebo. Oh yeah. That was pretty that was pretty heated too. They no, was that words. a slap to Klebo's face? No, no, a little bit. Yeah, it was more like pushing. It was like really and the other thing too I gotta say, because you see this in cycling every once in a while when people get hot under the collar, but like is there anything funnier than like a bunch of dudes in spandies? <laughs> in spandies. Right. You know, it's one thing to see like NHL hits, you know, they're six, four, they're big, they're like throwing their bodies around, but like, there's just something else when you're, when you're just like kind of skinny, you're, they're tall, Bolshinov's a big boy for sure, but still like throwing the body around like that and then having like a total hissy fit. I don't know. I mean, it's not becoming, it's not Nordic skiing and there's a reason for that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Hold on. I, I so just, we're going to get a little context here. I'm looking. I think it was kind of a slap. It's a slap to Kalebo's face from Yusegov. Yeah, that, which is also unnecessary and ridiculous. Unnecessary. And, and these guys got to get these guys got to get it together because, like, if you want to be, they're already kind of like the bad boys of skiing because so many of them have failed drug tests, and they have coaches that have have like dozens of failed drug tests to their name and continue to have jobs and like they have a lot of like baggage around them. But they, like you said, Bolshinov is a great skier with great technique and like it or not, cheer for him or not, he is, he has been the last season and a half, he has been the best skier in the world. And with that, with that should come some responsibility and, and like how he's, how he's acting is just completely, <laughs> un, it's, it's ridiculous and he's, he's got to get it together and um i hope to never see that again the the saddest thing is is like their team gets disqualified but there's no consequences aside from that because in the russian team like who's going to go up against bolshinov in this situation and try and talk some sense into him like nobody so right right and it's it it seems like that's it from fist i mean i'm just looking through what else can they do honestly like they disqualify the team for unsportsmanlike yeah, conduct. There's nothing boy. really else they can do. Honestly, fining. I guess they could. They could have given the team a fine. Yeah, but even giving the team the fine, like you can't prevent someone from making race starts. <clears throat> no, I don't think so. And honestly, like I think that should come from internal. I think decisions like that for accountability should should be should be done internally with with the team themselves to like say like this is not okay. And yeah, but then you have too much variability in team culture, which is. 
obvious. Yeah, no, I know. But I'm, but that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying, though. Like, had I been the Canadian national team coach and I had an athlete go completely berserkos like that, like, forget it. I don't care if you're the overall World Cup winner. Like, you're going to sit at least one race. And if that costs you the globe, maybe that's the lesson you need to learn. Yeah, it says here, like, I want to read to <laughs> Matt Wickham. You probably know Matt Wickham, head coach of the USQ team. Oh, nice I love guy. Matt. Matt, first of all, for people that don't know Matt Wickham, We've been singing a lot of praises about Cork, but I could do a whole podcast. I could do like a trilogy of podcasts of how lucky the American team is to have a guy like Matt Wickcomb in their stable. By the way, I'm still getting, I got an email yesterday, as a matter of fact, or a text or something about, hey, you forgot this about Jason Cork too. But this is good too, because like I said, he's a snow leopard, right? We know they exist. He's a snow leopard. It's an (laughs) ongoing thing. We've seen them them on the BBC documentary, but like when you're, if you're ever in the Himalaya and you're looking around, like you'll never see one. That's Cork. Maybe that's a spirit animal. It for Um, sure is. It for sure is. Okay. So it says, this is Matt Wickham on Twitter and Matt is not like a social media fiend. I think I can say that outright, but he's somewhat uh, solid on Twitter, politically active. It's nice to see. It says, quote, to be clear to, and this is from Matt Wickham at Matt uh, underscore Wickham Twitter, uh, to be clear to any kids and coaches watching this tackle by Bolshinov is not okay. If a U.S. athlete did this, they'd be sent home and removed from the team. A disqualification would just be the beginning of their problems. Ooh, yeah, that's, that's strong, Tours and that's strong coming strong. from that's strong coming from an American coach and and one with a, a breadth of experience as Matt has. And I I echo that. I mean that that is that is uh, that is not okay. And especially when he was involved in a racist race incident i know holland would like probably call me or text me and say like race isn't it it wrecked my chances like that was more than race incident he took me out yesterday in the pursuit in the 30k but like i'll call it a race incident the day before with bolshinov and then today was just like a complete and utter embarrassment for a champion and i hope to never see it again that's i mean yeah there's not much more to say than that but we got to tip our hats but we got to tip our hats to to the um to the Finns for coming second. Like what a, what a day, what a race. The next relay will be at, at world championships in like roughly a month or so. Um, so this adds a little bit of intrigue. Oh, of course it does. You know, to that. But do you think the Russians have a chance? I mean, they've shown up before and challenged, you know, Norway. I, I think they should, I think they should have a chance. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be really curious to see if Norway can keep the momentum that they had this weekend up. Because they are rested for sure, but at the same time, they're fighting for their start positions at the World Championships, and that man, that 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 means something out there. And I'm really curious. Like Emma Leverson's a good guy. Uh, I know him fairly well, and he's been on fire lately. I mean, he won the Norwegian Championship in the 30k pursuit, and then he won today. He won yesterday. And had a solid leg today, but yesterday's win was really impressive on a championship course. And skating, it's steep and hard in, in Lati, and he, he skied great and won. But like, I'm curious. Like, he has no individual championship medals, um, and he's pretty hot right now. But he has to be hot right now to get that start right in a 30k pursuit. Like, would I put my money on Emily Everson getting a podium in the pursuit at World Championships? I wouldn't. Yeah, I think that's. Fair assessment, yeah. Even though he's looked so dominant here. So so going to the relay, I mean, Russia, If can Ustigov get himself right back in it? I mean, it looked kind of bad today when the wheels fell off, but you got to remember, he's had a horrendous uh, start to the season and he has very little racing under his belt, but we all know how good Ustigov can be when he's in shape. And I mean, you have you have like Belov, uh, Chervotkin, I mean, you've got a, a long list of names. Spitsov was tired. I mean, this weekend, Spitsov was very tired. And not at his not at his game, and that's that's some post tour fatigue that we saw yesterday and today. Uh, that's not normal. I mean, you don't see Spitzoff have bad ten or seven and a half k skates on steep train ever. So there's some fatigue there. So I, th- I think there will be. It could be a it could be a battle, but at the same time, if Norway shows up like they're showing up now, um, Norway wins like fairly easily. But um, you know, Russia definitely has the depth, and uh, it could be it could be a great culmination of the battle like just to give a little bit of pushback on zach you know it's like this is boring like i love i love the battle at least we have a battle of the titans because it, it, it did we're talking about it now and it is exciting to see and 
And uh, when we go back and start talking about the the pursuit of yesterday, like it is, these guys are skiing at an insanely high level. And I want to just touch on some of their technique. I mean, it's, it's amazing to see the best skiers in the world. Yeah, they happen to be only from two countries, but man, oh man, they're 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 skiing at a obviously best in the world, but also the way that they're changing skiing um, and tackling these courses is is something to be seen. It's impressive. Anything? Let's stick with the the women's relay today. I mean, Norway crushes. Um, any observations from today? The U.S. had an unusual. Okay, and and the U.S. had a had a. Un- unusual um, sort of arrangement with Jesse doing uh, the second skate leg or the second classic leg. And I think, you know, according to her, this was the first time sh- she has done a classic leg in a relay, certainly at this level. Yeah, but it was, you know what, to touch on that too, because I mean, there's some critique on that. Like there shouldn't be um, when you're missing your your top guns in, in the relay for the US. Uh, it's a great strategy to just stay in it because y- you see, luckily she had a great leg. She hung tough. I, I think she was skiing super well and uh, man, she really hung tough and that terrain suits her for sure. I saw her at world juniors last year and I mean like she's quite good on the steep terrain, um, uphill terrain, but she, I thought she hung in there tough and then Caitlin had just a tough day and that happens. Um, but um, you know, it, 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 if you're, if you're missing a couple really strong athletes, you didn't have swervable, you didn't have uh, I mean, Sadie's not back online yet. So um that's a that's a great strategy to have honestly and it's just like stay in it for as long as possible and jesse's been classic skiing i mean i've been singing her praises in classic most of the year i mean she's and technically too she's she's at a good level in classic now the best level she's been in the most stable level she's been in her whole career so it was um to have rosie and jesse do the classic legs i mean it was a good strategy and they hung tough for as long as they could and then of course their their team missing uh, their two strong athletes and they only have half of that. Uh, they weren't going to contend. But um, also, too, Sweden was missing a lot of the big guns and didn't have a strong team, <coughs> as strong a team as they're going to have at the World Championships either. So really, Norway was just at a class by themselves. We saw that the day before. And then in the relay, like if you were surprised, you haven't been following skiing enough. I mean, um, so other than that, I didn't really see any surprises. I mean, Finland, um, you know, was they hung in there tough as they could, but uh, they got lucky with a weak U.S. team, uh, Russia not fielding their best team and uh, Sweden not fielding their best team either. So like, uh, not a real big surprise in the <clears throat> in the women's, but Foss's home is the real deal. Yeah. I hope everybody noticed that. Yep, five k skate for Foss's home, the junior out of Norway is uh, it's something to be seen. She's she's um, she's an incredibly high level, and we'll get to that when we talk about Saturday's race. Well, that's a good was, segue uh, right she there. Had, she had a great, yeah, she had a great, she had a great relay leg today. She earned, I think, her first World Cup podium yesterday in the scathlon. Yeah, she did. She had like again time of day once. I don't care. I don't care. So her first stepping on the podium, her first stepping on the podium was, um, was yesterday and we'll get right into it. I mean, like I thought the women's pursuit was again, awesome. How awesome was it to see like Diggs and Ebba going with Teresa? Like they're trying, they're not just going to let her walk away with it. Even though in the end, even though in the end she did walk away with it. But, um, I was surprised that like, like Teresa where she's strong is in classic She's strong in everything. Teresa is by far the best skier in the world. But but uh, in classic, she's really a, a step above the rest. And, and she didn't put in that much time, but it was in that long hill out of the stadium in Lottie that it, when she switched to her skate skis, that was the ball game. She just skied away from everybody. Yeah, do you want um, to talk but, about that, that skate side of the course right there a little bit? Oh my God, it's hard, man. It's hard, and especially Lottie, because like the stadium is like right at the bottom, like the lowest, well, not the lowest point of the whole course, because you get down towards like near the lake where we side, saw right? the Americans crash in the, okay. in the pursuit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But but the stadium is fairly low, and then in the skate, it's really hard in skiathlons when you change your skis from classic to skate already. But when you change your skis from classic to skate, you're doing a totally different technique. And man, oh man, to start with a, it's a punishing start there in, in Lottie to click into your skate skis and then have like a gradual climb that gets into a steep climb and then a small rest and then a ton of steep climbing to the highest part of the course. It's a brutal, brutal course for skating and especially in a skiathlon. So it was an amazing, uh, we saw some amazing stuff by Teresa there and I'm really impressed with Diggins to hang tough like she did. I mean, 
it was, that's how you, that's how you become a true champ. I mean, she is a true champion. She's the tour to ski winner of this year, set a lot of great races, but for the champ, for the world championships that are coming, you know, Frida's going to be there. You know, the Russians will be back in shape. You know, Teresa's going to be there and a couple other Norwegians. Like if Jesse wants to take an individual medal, that's the way she's got to race is how she was racing here in Lottie. And I thought it was super inspiring to see. And uh, <clears throat> she came up short, like some people that might be surprised that she didn't, contend that sprint for that bronze medal i i was a little surprised till you start i watched the race one more time and you're like oof you know what man like jesse was really on the rivet like the whole time so jesse was shattered uh going around that last corner she, she there was nothing left and <clears throat> at the world championships i mean you, you gotta think um even against heidi now uh, he, i would put my money on jesse so it was a it was a really solid solid racing by diggins but i thought it was really cool of ebba and Diggins to try and go go with the high pace of, of uh, Teresa, even though in the end it, it didn't work out. They swept the podium. The women, the Norwegian women swept the podium. If that's a surprise to anyone, it shouldn't be. Um, they didn't do the Tour de Ski, like we've said. They haven't raced the World Cup since the first weekend in Ruka. They're hungry. They've been looking forward to this day, and they showed up to play. Foss's home is the future of Norwegian skiing, no question, and how she is skating in that skiathlon leg was unbelievable i mean she was got dropped in the classic or or maybe was skiing within herself in the classic maybe we should say and skied her right skied herself right back up into the into the lead group same with heidi vang and in the end like what she was able to do was was impressive and the fact that she's 19 years old and able to do that it's unbelievable for younger athletes um female or male i want you to start noticing in in lottie they are hop skating every single climb the best skiers in the world like Teresa Johug and and Foss's home are hop skating every climb out there what about that the the long climb coming out of the stadium that you're talking about is that not like I mean I, is that not is, I, I guess for a powerful skier that lower section are they able to v2 it's pretty gradual and, yeah okay. oh yeah for sure for sure it's not it's gradual but it's still like a tough it's just a tough, uh, yeah, man. It's a it's it's a grind because you're just a lot of elevation in a very short amount of time. Like just like getting out of a flats and then right into an uphill, nothing shatters your legs like doing 15k or or in the women's side seven and a half k hard, and then switching into your skate skis. It's different technique, different muscle groups, different um, yeah, different motion completely. So it was uh, it's hard on the old legs, but yeah, Foss's home and Teresa Johug able to hop skate everything like that is just something to be seen. And uh, man, oh man, like if you're a young athlete and training at home, this is something you got to find that technique. You got to have the weight on the balls of your feet. You got to have a high hip position, and you got to learn how to do this if you want to be the best skier in the world. Because this is how it's raced now, and this is where the technique is gone, and it's. It's 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 uh, something to be seen. Okay, a couple of things. Like, let's just stick on the women's skiathlon for a little bit, and I want to go down the results list. And and uh, Charlotte Collar returns, uh, comes in seventh. So she was positive for COVID uh, just prior to the start of the World Cup season. So she, you know, that's a solid, very solid, it's a great outing. Yeah, it's a great outing, especially if you like a dork like me and you've been following her ascension through some of the Swedish races like she's been struggling in Sweden man like she has not been showing any sort of form and to be seventh in the World Cup that's going to give her a lot of confidence and honestly it gives me a lot of confidence going into the world championships too so great great job by Charlotte uh, yesterday and then your people okay are there and two women in the points which I was really I, I you know I don't want to be like a super fan boy person here but I was really thrilled to see you know Catherine Stewart Jones 24th oh, yeah. yesterday and Sandrine Brown 27th for sure and I want to talk thanks like I was going to bring this up of course because I've already said on the pod that I'm like a super homer but um Catherine Stewart Jones like she's had some chances in the World Cup and she just hasn't been able to deliver she hasn't been able to translate her talent into skiing into the points really and how she was able to ski that skiathlon was very impressive. She looked great in classic. She's made huge gains technically. I mean, I got to tip my hat to Eric Bralton, the, the he's Norwegian, but he's the Canadian coach, Canadian World Cup coach. And, and the guy has a serious eye for technique. And he's changed Catherine's skiing completely, technically. 
she's skiing better than she's ever skied by a factor of 10. And to come out after not racing for 10, 11 months and have your best and have your best result of your career in 24th in, in a stacked field on your first go is so impressive. So Catherine Stewart Jones, the sky is the limit from now. Like this is a great start to the season. It's going to be fun to follow her along and uh, couldn't be happier to see that. And huge shout out to Sandrine. Want to know why she was involved in that just mess of a crash, uh, which people, if people that were following the Americans saw, I mean, there's a lot of Americans that went down. The young inexperienced Americans were, went down in that crash. And, and so did, <laughs> so did Caitlin Patterson, which yeah, oof. That was uh, rough to see and, and some Germans and Russians and people were caught in the nets and Sandrine got like got all tangled up in that crash as well. So and she's weaker in classic uh, all around, both technically and just results wise. So that is not what you want to have happen in your weaker technique in a, in a skiathlon. And the fact that she kept her head on her shoulders, skied herself back into it. And again, Sandrine's had quite a few World Cup starts now, too, and just struggled to ski into the points and then to have an accident like that early in your weaker technique and ski yourself into 27th wow awesome stuff going to be really fun to cheer them on uh coming down down the pipes and sophia and lastly like just outside the points is sophia lockley who is a student at middlebury and i knew i, I know that she raced uh, Norwegian nationals, uh, you know, over the past week. So yeah, that's a cool outing for her as well. Oh, really good. And she had a great relay and a great weekend all around. I, I didn't really realize like she speaks fluent Norwegian and her dad must be Norwegian or something. She has Norwegian family, but she's been in Norway since this, uh, since this fall training here and, and getting some race opportunities under her ba- belt. So that was great to see. And, um, she's a huge talent. I mean, she was fifth at world juniors last year. And, uh, you know, Andrew Johnson is a great person to be helping her out at the, the Middlebury program. And he's building a really strong program there, too. So that's uh, that was great to see. And, and uh, Rosie Brennan, too, got to give a shout out for Rosie. She she really gutted that one out out there. And that looked like it hurt, especially in the skate. Like there was a lot of times during that skate, that skate like of the skiathlon yesterday where I was like, oh, man, Rose, Rosie's in tough here and, and uh, way to hang on. And, and she's really got the. She's really got the grit of a champion, the champion that she's be- become here as a 32-year-old on the World Cup. Really fun to see. Okay. Um, let's hit the, the men's skiathlon, which was yesterday. You know, we have we have Norway, Norway, Norway. And we've talked a little bit about the crash coming into, coming into the end. But just sort of from a, you know, lens pulled back perspective, and I'm going to pull up um, results here. Okay. You know, it, it's, it's Norway, Norway. You know, the top four skiers are Norway. Slotted into fifth is Bolchanov. He fell. Hole in sixth. He, he fell, fell. Broke both his balls. Yep. We got Colonia still going, uh, and solid in seventh. Yep, and was and was you know up there for a while. Solid. Um, and then it, you know as we scroll down, I just want to get to these sort of side stories. We have Gus Schumacher in eighteenth. Very you know pretty pretty amazing. Scott Patterson twenty first and oh amazing result oh yeah it is it is which is a real up which is a real upturn scott patterson had some great races in pyeongchang in 2018 and then has disappeared completely and i know he's gone through a lot of tough times i know that but the fact of the matter is this was a huge step in the right direction congratulations scott awesome skiing um and just going down the list here a little bit i don't want to forget uh russell kennedy in the points in 29th dude the rust man the Russ man, 29th. That's awesome race. Same thing. I'm going to argue Russ has the best teeth on the World Cup. And the most stoke. The guy's so Oh, fun. really? I know he's oh, very yeah. positive, but okay. Oh, Russ is just the good times crew, man. So it was awesome to see his first race of the season being a 30K skiathlon, which is a real grind. And for Russ to ski himself into the points in a field like this, like hats off, great start to the season. And, and I don't, I'm just, I'm going down the list here. David Norris recovering from COVID who had a, you know, a solid uh, World Cup outing uh, last season for the U.S. I think he was the top U.S. distance skier. skier well, he was a great U.S. He was a great distance skier last year. And to be 32nd, just out of the points, um, that's that's pretty solid. And then uh, Tony uh, Antoine Sear in 37th. Yep, he's, uh, he's born in 1998. He's U23. 
And 37th is a good result again for having not raced and, and, and been smacked by COVID earlier in the season as well. And like, uh, so it's been, uh, it's, it's a, this is a great, this has been a great start to the season for him too. So it's fun to see. And, and to come full circle, our buddy, Joni Maki from Finland, who had a kind of, a, Dude, yeah. he came in 36, but anyway, that's a little bit of a yeah. non sequitur, just trying to tie the knot. <laughs> But you can tie the knot because, like, think about that. The guy that was 36 in the skiathlon comes back the next day and can go toe-to-toe with Bolshinov. So that's that's impressive. That is cool. And it's cool. But I, there's a couple other stories, too, before we get right into it. It's like I'm loving the the the, the boys born in 2000. I, maybe because I've been at World Juniors working the last couple of years. But Frederick Mach of Germany, Pair of silver medals at World Juniors last year in Oberwiesenthal, which was pretty cool to see. But like we've talked about before, the Germans always crush at World Juniors. And I'm like, oh, here comes another one. Here comes another German that's going to crush at World Juniors and then like get munched on the World Cup and then we'll never see him again. But 10th, dude, 10th. That is a, not just a solid race. That is an amazing outing for the young German. And I, I think it's fun. You got Gus Schumacher, you got Poroma. You've got uh, this Frederick Moch, who is super good last year at World Juniors. And then also Remy Drolin, Harvard, Harvard University right now, taking physics, taking taking physics and um, fourth at World Juniors last year individually in the 30K and part of that historic silver medal for, for Canada there. So he had a rough day in his first time out. But I mean, these guys are young. Look back at Gus Schumacher's outings in Ruka. Look at how Gus did in, in Davos. I mean, when you're born in 2000 and you come to the big leagues, if you're a little bit off, oof, it's going to show. But uh, I've been really, it's been really fun for me to follow along these these young these young guns because these are the future of skiing. And one other shout out for the folks that we get chirped on, Jens Berman. Remember, I've been asking where the hell's Jens Berman been all year long. Ninth. This is where you belong, dude. This is where you belong. This is how you ski. He was skiing well technically and races himself into the top 10. And this is where Swedes belong. They're this good. And it was great to see Jens back in the mix. Okay. Um, so I'm just, yeah, anything we've kind of, I feel like we've covered the whole sort of array of the weekend. Yeah, we covered the weekend. But I, I've got one little story that I maybe probably shouldn't share, but I'm going to anyways. That's how I do it. There's a bit of a shout out also to the to the Canadians today in uh, in Finland in the relays because it was quite the eventful quite the little eventful uh, morning um, for for the Canadians. They did PC, they did some PCR testing today, and a couple of the athletes failed the PCR test in the Canadian team. But those athletes that had failed the PCR test had had Corona already earlier in the season. Uh, or in the fall in that outbreak in Camor, we talked about a number of times. So they were all put in quarantine individually. They weren't at the racetracks whatsoever. And then all of a sudden they heard that the athletes that tested positive had had Corona earlier in the year. And then all of a sudden there was a phone call 40 minutes before the start of the women's relay. All the staff, all the athletes, everyone's quarantined in like in their hotel and it's like okay no you're good to go and then it was a big Wait, even like the wax rush text? To, to get everything together everybody dude so it was a crazy situation and the fact that they were even able to field any relays teams was impressive and i thought again Catherine had a great leg to be only just under 30 seconds back when you're sitting in your hotel room thinking like well we're not racing today 40 minutes before the start of the event so regardless it was um it was quite the quite quite the scramble to get it going, and then the men, um, they you got to call a spade a spade. I mean, like it was it was a crisis day. They had some great racing yesterday in the skiathlon, and today nothing was working. But it was tough waxing conditions, and if you don't have your whole staff on site to do any testing and planning and everything like that, uh, it's not a surprise that that the Canadians really struggled with their class equip classic equipment after that. But this is I, the reason why I bring up this little anecdote just right at the end is like. We're still in a pandemic, <clears throat> a lot of moving parts, things are crazy. And these are the kind of things that like I've never had to deal with in my career, right? Where you're sitting in a hotel room in your sweatpants thinking like, great, now I'm in this shitty Lati hotel for the next 10 days in quarantine. And then you get a call, it's like, nope, get your, get your stuff back in your backpack, get to the site, you're racing the relay. And if you're the first one or two legs, like Daria Beattie was leg two and Catherine Stewart-Jones is leg one, like, you're not testing skis, you're not warming up, you're not doing anything. And then you get thrown in there to the wolves like that. Like 
these are things that athletes are having to deal with that I've never had to deal with and never thought any athletes would have to deal with. So hats off to the resiliency of the Canadian staff and, and athletes for even fielding a team. It was sad to see the Canadian men get lapped out. That's no good. They're better than that. They know they're better than that, but it wasn't a great, uh, for the fans at home that we're going to have emails filled with like, talk about the, the Canadian men being bad. It's like, you know what? There's a backstory to that. There's a backstory to that today. And it was like a situation that no athlete or staff wants to be put in. So, so let's, let's be a little compassionate there. Sure. I, I want to clarify something just so we're not, I, and I can, you know, see how this sounds when we talk about it. So what, what you're saying is, and again, no athletes named, but there were athletes that tested positive with the PCR test. The PCR test is sort of the definitive test for, uh, you know, being positive or negative for COVID. So, oh, whoops! No, no, I'm, I keep confusing this. The fast test was gotcha. Oh my God. Okay, this that's like, why I was. Dude, like, you you've called me on this. You've called me on this so much. I'm not times. trying to call you on it, but I, that's why I was no, no, like, no, no, really, no, but I'm dude. Just saying, like, okay, I'm just so I'm just like this is hilarious. So. Yeah. Here's what I want. Here's this. Oh, no. Oh, my God. No, no. Oh, my God. You know what? We're going to clear it up because I'm reading it. No, no. I'm reading. I'm reading something that I, I where I'm getting some of this information from. Sorry. A couple of the athletes had tested positive on in the actual PCR test. Yes. But they've had COVID already. And I don't know. That's what's weird. I know, but I know that's it's super what weird. is it is super confusing weird. to me. But this is this is the point. But this is the point of the whole thing: racing World Cups through pandemics with some athletes like Charlotte Kala and Ustigov that have had COVID before. We just don't know what this. We don't know what's happening, and then they're not allowed to race, and then some people are allowed to race. Like it's a mess. Okay, and the fact is, I, I would like this to be. I mean, we've talked about this. Please, Fis, like just project for the optics. Everyone needs to grab a mask. Well, first is don't hurt anybody after you yeah, cross the rule line. number one, two, and three. Then put a freaking mask on right away. And I, it, there's still, I, I know I've brought this up a couple of times just asking coaches. I'm like, what's the policy in that finish zone? Um, and maybe I'm just missing something, but there seems to be a little bit like, oh, so-and-so has a mask on, so-and-so doesn't. Just put a mask on. I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. I know. I agree. Be professional. No, you're not missing something. I totally agree. And you know, we got an email earlier today by uh, someone that listens and they were just curious about like, this isn't a listener in a question pod, but I, I loved it. It's like, I'm no epidemiologist, but is there any reason this is enforced, isn't enforcing such strict coaching zones on the courses? Because it's true. I've been watching the World Cup this year too. And the coaching zones are exactly what they've been in my career. They're super tight. You have a ton of coaches there. People are pulling their masks down, yelling splits like at the top of their lungs, like spraying whatever spittle all over the place as they're cheering for their athletes on the course. It's like, Fiss, come on now. Like make bigger coaching zones, have teams have their own, like, I don't know, give them each like five meters. Norway has a five meter box or a 10 meter box. It's easy to just make boxes out there in the coaching zones and make bigger and more coaching zones for people. We're in a pandemic. And the fact that we're getting uh, comments like this from fans and then you and I have talked off air about this. It's just, it's, it's the optics are bad and it's also just ridiculous. Like these are easy I, I things so this can do. Yeah. And, and, and they should, they should make some changes because we're already in a tough situation. Like we've talked about with testing, go, positives, negative. We didn't even talk about Nossum failing his quick yeah, test again. The, that's but, the, and then, Norwegian then the P, And then the PCR. Yeah, exactly. The head coach of the Norwegian team who failed in, in Ruka with the quick testing too. And then the PCR shows negative and it was the same thing here. Um, but like we're already in a really murky, difficult situation. It's a pandemic around Europe too with these uh, mutations the South African mutation and the and the and the British and the and the British and the British mutation, like things in Europe are heating up again pretty pretty significantly. And Fis, if you want to keep these races going, um, you gotta make these small changes. And I totally agree with you, Jason. In the finishing pen, in the media zone, everyone has a mask, everyone holds their distance. Even some of this the Norwegians, I, that's the something that surprises me. It's like, okay, you're for sure. Yeah, and that surprised me too. It does, no, no That's, question. And I, I don't know who it was, but in fact, I think it was today. I was like, dude, mask up for the for the shot, for the photo. Yeah, so, no, I agree. I agree. So like there, there's there's, there's no question. Like we can we can do better fists and they should. And the coaching zones, let's change that coaching zone situation because we shouldn't see coaches pulling masks down and just yelling at the top of their lungs as their athletes go by to give them splits and stuff. If, if all the coaches are so tight altogether. It's one thing if everyone has 10 meters to themselves 
which is probably how it should be. I agree. I want to end on two, like a positive note here, because I think I started with like a negative note of smashing a cool door handle. Yeah, but you got out though, but you got out like Johnny Mackey, like, like Johnny Mackey, you started out with like, you started, you started by like doing a bit of a touchy move, but then you come away with a silver medal. You didn't win the gold, your door handles destroyed, but you, but you, uh, but you're not going to be honest though. I've, it <laughs> yeah, felt exactly. like the gold because yeah. I was, I was going through my day. I was like, what am I going to have to, t- what am I going to, when I'm, I literally, everyone's going to be gone until like 4 PM today. I was like, okay. Maybe the dog goes to the bathroom in the ba- in the bathroom. <laughs> that I yeah, can deal with that. Yeah. Right. But at the end of the day, what am I? Am I really? I'm going to text because I can. I'm sure you would have been like, dude. I thought we were scheduled for you know what happened. I'm like, okay. <laughs> exactly. I'm locked in the bathroom. That's, well, I didn't even have my phone. That was the stupid thing. Too. No, that's even better. That's even okay. Better, yeah. But I want to end up on a on a positive note. There are two things. Okay. One might be a little bit touchy, but I, I'm going to ask it. Uh, first is, and, and again, there's ways to react. One was how we saw Bolshinov reacting today. Another was, for example, and I don't, again, I already, we've seen the emails. I've gotten text enough about like, where is the gold medal for the U.S. men's program? Get over it. It's not happening at least this year. Okay. I don't know. Maybe, but it's not happening. Noah Hoffman fighting off getting lapped in Pyeongchang in the relay. You remember that shit? Oh yeah, dude. Of course I do. Awesome. Of course That's I do. That's how you respond agree. to adversity. You freaking gun it. I agree. Loved it. For okay. sure, man. There's that. That just resonates. That really resonated with me. You know, I was like, no, that's gutsy. That's yep. gritty. That's a gritty performance with the body that's not playing on your team. Because I remember he was coming through the stadium and I think he looked back and it was Klebo and the Russian. I don't oh, know yeah, who was seeing that. Hammered. Yeah. I was like, oh shit, dude, they may catch him. Okay. There's that. And this is maybe a little bit sour, but I'm going to bring it up. The Canadians were lapped at world champs, I believe in 2017 in the men's relay. Yeah. And I was, and I was on that. Relay. On that we've team. been on the, we've been on the podium in world cups, one, one world cup. We've been on the podium in world cup. We've been top five a number of times. We've been top five in the world championship relay before everything that could go wrong, went wrong in that relay, horrible skis, bad bodies. It was uh, it was a nightmare situation. We got that's right. Lenny, Lenny Valius was like out, dude. barely put together. Yeah. So who was on that team? It was Lenny Valius, you, Alex, and who was the fourth? Uh, Killick, Graham Killick. Okay. So Graham was on that. But I distinctly remember, I don't know if you all came through, but maybe Lenny was the final leg. Yeah, I don't he was. remember. No, he was. He okay. was anchor. But I remember Lenny walking through the mix zone and he's like, what do you need to know? I'm, I'm here to chat. And it was like... Super classy, chill, no pout. And I've gotten, trust me, I've gotten oh yeah, people who I've gotten a lot of like- The pout treatment, oh yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And it was very, just like stand up, like regular person stuff. He had a crappy day. The team had a crappy day, but like, what do you need to know about our day? And that's how you handle that stuff. I totally agree. I totally agree. And like we've talked about a bit before, even when LeBron James like comes out with a stinker or like- loses in the playoffs when he shouldn't have or you know he's there to answer the media because that's what great champions do and lenny is a great champion and lenny has i mean he's so mega chill and and the stand-up guy but like that's what we expect in our team and you know lenny was the guy that had to had to take the the humiliation of getting lapped out of the thing because his teammates let him down do you know what I yeah, mean? I don't remember seeing actually, you guys you know in the what? Mix zone, you know actually. What? I don't know. But anyway. So we stunk. I mean, we had we had horrendous skis in the classic leg, and Killick and I raced like bumps completely. So it was Yeah, but that happened. No, no, but right? laughed out, dude, at the world championships when you're a team that has has been on the podium. Like I but, know. They, but these kind of things I thought happen. Maybe po- but yeah, these I things know. happen and it was a raunchy day, and I'm glad Lenny took one for the team there in the mix zone and and um was the chill, honest guy that he that we know him to be. I wish I sp- I wish I spoke more fluent. I speak a little bit of French, but it's very crude. I wish I spoke fluent French so I could have like s- yelled some sort of message at Harvey <laughs> or question. Yeah. question. Well, Alex speaks better English than me, so that's no that's no excuse. Yeah, but dude, the yeah. French media, they're all boy, it's like Oh my god. But now look, it's dude. like it's like but now it's a desert. There is no French media because it was the Alex media because he's the prince of Quebec, baby. That's why. That's true. That's true. <laughs> okay. Okay, it's great time. to catch up. Yeah, Fallon. Let's all look oh, forward gosh, to Fallon. Do you think the other races going to be at a more pedestrian hour? 
I can't promise you that. Or we can even have races. I mean, Sweden is a COVID disaster. <laughs> I don't know, but this freaking ridiculous. The fact you look, I look at the the times. Twelve. I think the women's relay started at twelve thirty my oh time. My God. But you know what? You got to just now. You got five oh, yeah, five yeah, beautiful days. So get up back under skiing, drink some coffee, enjoy yourself, and we'll touch base. I'm going for a tour this afternoon. Perfect. I'm just gonna like poke nice. around somewhere. Love it. So okay. all right, have a you good too. one. Cheers. Take care. Bye. Okay, thanks for listening and have a good week.